Well, we are down to the Sweet 16 and good to be back aboard on the nation's college basketball show and podcast. It is college basketball coast to coast. Great to be back in for the four games Thursday night, the four games Friday night. We've got Elite Eight battles Saturday and Sunday, and then we will know the final four. One of many reminders you're going to get, we will be there in New Orleans for college basketball coast to coast with live coverage and pre- and post-game coverage for the national semifinals on Saturday from the Superdome in New Orleans. And also the championship game on Monday night, championship Monday of the 2022 Final Four. Finally back at full capacity. Everybody allowed to be there. We're, We're anxious for the first time for that to happen in three calendar years since we were in Minnesota in 2019. We'll be here on College Basketball Coast to Coast. we got to figure out who's in the Elite Eight first, though. Sweet 16 conversation is upcoming with three number one seeds still alive, Gonzaga, Arizona, and Kansas. And then there are upstart teams like St. Peter's and Iowa State and Miami that are still trying to hang in uh, and find their way into the Elite Eight, if not possibly into the Final Four. So we're looking forward to talking all about it. Again, however you found this show, uh, if you don't know this, it is streaming at the top and bottom of every hour on TuneIn on the College Basketball Coast to Coast channel. Find us on TuneIn free on that mobile app anywhere that you're looking for sports or college basketball. Just search for College Basketball Coast to Coast. This show is there. Top and bottom of the hour. It is restarting right now. Preview mode, recap mode on TuneIn. Likewise, if you found us on TuneIn, find us on podcast as well on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts. Search for College Basketball Coast to Coast. It should be there. We're right there. Uh, Each and every time there's a new episode, preview mode, recap mode, we've got it all uh, here on College Basketball Coast to Coast in podcast form. And you're going to want to obviously be with us for what's going to happen with the Final Four and everything that's going to transpire in New Orleans. So get get subscribed, follow us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and you're going to be all set with that. Straight ahead, we're going to talk some about the Duke win over Michigan State from a guy that was right there in the arena. My buddy Price Atkinson, back aboard, lives in the uh, upstate area of South Carolina, uh, right where Greenville is, and was there in the house for Coach K's latest NCAA tournament win that puts him back in the Sweet 16 as his players, Paulo Banquero, uh, as well as Mark Williams and Wendell Moore and all those guys from Duke pulled it out over Michigan State. Price will talk to you about that. And he was right there to see that Miami Hurricane team. My goodness, the U. Very impressive with two different upsets of Southern Cal and then of Auburn to advance into the Sweet 16. Just how did Miami do it? Price Atkinson's got some thoughts. They get ready, Miami, to play Iowa State on Friday. Duke playing Texas Tech coming on Thursday night. Miami, Iowa State on Friday night. Then later on, here in just a little bit on College Basketball Coast to Coast, my buddy from Louisville, Kentucky, Mark Ennis, is back aboard. I love Mark's insight on the college game, in particular Louisville with a coaching change, and Kenny Payne, a former player, a former Louisville uh, uh, star in the late 1980s, a longtime assistant in college basketball, and the NBA has a homecoming to be back as the Louisville coach. Mark will give you thoughts on that. Uh, Kentucky goes down in flames to St. Peter's last weekend. It's been a great week on the radio for the Louisville hosts and the Louisville fans to bash Kentucky on sports radio. Mark will tell you about that. He'll, he'll give you his thoughts on the Sweet 16 and the Final Four, all of that later on in the show. Let's get things started. Let's get it cranked up. Heading into four games Thursday night in both the West and the South Regionals. And then four more on, uh, or eight more on Friday night. Uh, or actually four more. Eight more teams, four more on Friday night in the East Regional in Pittsburgh and the Midwest Regional in Chicago. 
Uh, we are ready from San Francisco to San Antonio, from Philadelphia to Chicago. We are ready for all of this. Let's get rolling. As promised, I have been looking forward to catching up with this man on so many fronts. He's been so busy. He's been on another continent at the Winter Olympics in China doing curling, of all things. But my man, Price Atkinson, is also a college basketball guy. And so if we're coming in on college basketball coast to coast, you were there for what was a wild weekend in Greenville, South Carolina. The Duke Blue Devils survive and advance beating Michigan State. Duke now to play Texas Tech all the way out in San Francisco. Uh, You also, by the way, saw the Miami Hurricanes advance as well. Uh, So I need the insight from Price Atkinson on college basketball coast to coast on what you witnessed. How you been? How you feeling? (laughs) Happy March. Man, this is the best time of year. Clearly the best time of year because March Madness is in high gear and it was in high gear in Greenville last weekend because... Let me tell you something. I, I looked when, when the matchups were announced on Selection Sunday, I was not feeling it. When I saw the set of games we were going to get here in Greenville, I saw the coaches, I saw the teams, right. and I thought, you know, knew who the coaches are going to be. I was like, whoa, there's star power like crazy here. Pearl, Laranaga, McKillop, K. I mean, the list goes on and on. Izzo. Izzo, the, the, I mean, some of the best little coaches in the sport here. But the matchups didn't do a lot for me. But, boy, uh, that's on paper, and that's why you play the games. And when they played those games, holy cow, we had a set of some really good ones. I mean, that USC-Miami game, clearly the Miami upset uh, of Auburn. And the one that really kind of caught me by surprise is the way that Michigan State took Duke, you know, until the final few minutes. I did not expect that Tom Izzo team to be able to do that with that – the lack of firepower on that roster this year. Well, let, let's back up. Davidson had Michigan State on the ropes, or else Michigan State's not even in that game. So the tournament, the NCAA, CBS got their wish and put that game, Michigan State, Duke, into the slot Sunday, <laughs> early evening, leading right into 60 minutes. We now know it's the most watched tournament game in the last six years on the first weekend. Uh, Duke yeah. brings that star power. What was it like in the arena, in the dramatic Final moments. It could be Coach K's final game, et cetera. Take us back real quick from your from your vantage point, your perspective of being in the arena. What was uh, how would you describe it? Well, I mean, it got I mean, clearly it got tense, but it was an atmosphere that I didn't expect because it felt like a a regional final atmosphere because it was packed. There was no empty seats in there. Somebody told me it was the most expensive first and second round ticket you could find at any site. <laughs> Because of, I mean, clearly, did you have to take out a second mortgage on the house to be able to get in there? I mean, I'm just looking out for you. I'm just making well, sure. Well, luckily, so in, instead of working the tournament this year, like which I've done in years past, after having been gone, you know, for quite a while to start the year, I said, you know what, I'm just going to go. I want to go as a fan. I just want to go and relax and enjoy mm-hmm. it. My sister had given my my sister and I, or my sister had given my her boyfriend and I tickets for Christmas. So I said, you know what. I'm going to go with him. He's a Duke fan. I don't care. I know they're coming here. I'm going to sit with him. This is this is obviously long before Kentucky loses well, right. to St. Peter's on Thursday night, and you add insult to injury, a Kentucky guy having to sit next to a Duke guy the very mm. next night was mm. really hard. But, you know, Sunday afternoon when Michigan State and Duke matched up, it was just incredible in there. The atmosphere was – it was electric in there because I think people were starting to look each other at that under four timeout when Michigan State led 70-65 to 65, like – could this be it? Could this be the end? Sure. And um, that's why all the national writers, you know, anybody who's who uh, was, you know, your friend Mike DeCourcy, somebody mm-hmm. we both know, 
my good friend Chuck Culpepper from the Washington Post. I mean, Matt Norland. I mean, you name it, all the all the big guns in, in college basketball um, scribes were here because of what could happen. And it almost did. But boy, did Duke did in the final minute what I thought they should have been doing the entire game. And that was just attacking the basket just because of their size. Duke's got more size this year on that roster than, you know, they have typically ever had in the past. And I think that size, while Michigan State boasted, you know, more of it than Cal State Fullerton, which I thought Duke should have been shooting from 10 feet in against Fullerton almost every time. But Fullerton had a great game plan in the first round. And then Michigan State clearly, uh, and Izzo did too, but um, just Michigan, uh, Duke's size alone, that's what propelled them past Michigan State. And you know what Tom Izzo wants to do. He wants it to be a street fight, and that's what they got. Love the inside of this man, Price Atkinson. He's got to run shortly, and so do we. But we're hanging out on college basketball coast-to-coast because he was there for what was going on with Duke and uh, their win over Michigan State. We'll talk about Miami and their upset of Auburn again in a second. A Thursday night matchup now all the way out in San Francisco against Texas Tech. Texas Tech was playing in San Diego. They beat Notre Dame in the second-round game. I am concerned that this is a matchup problem for Duke and that this could be it. Are you concerned the same way having seen Duke in person? Give me a 30-second take, please, on that Thursday night late game. 100%. I think it's a matchup problem. I think the way Texas Tech plays defense, I think that Bryson Williams and um, Davion Warren can be too much on the offensive end. Uh, You know, they've got size all around. This Texas Tech team is fantastic. Um, I think Duke's going to run into a buzzsaw. Not a, not necessarily a buzzsaw, and it's going to be a, you know, a, a whipping. But to me, if I'm a bet man, this is when K's run comes to an end. One win short of 100 all-time NCAA tournament wins. Do you agree with me that the Gonzaga matchup is a better matchup? If Duke can survive Texas Tech, they are a better matchup to take on Gonzaga and go up and down the floor 94 feet. That, that, that's – I mean, some people will look at that and say that's crazy, but I think Texas Tech is the worst matchup of the of the two meetings that Duke could have. Do you buy that real quick? 100%, and I might even take it a step further in saying that Texas Tech might be the worst matchup for Duke of any team that's left in the field. Mm. You know, I have to look at every other team that's left in the field. Maybe UCLA that plays the same way. Maybe. Maybe, but I, I you can make the case that Texas Tech is the worst matchup for Duke of any team that's still left in this tournament, and they just so happen to be their next opponent. I 100% agree with you. All right. Well, we'll see what happens in that one. Uh, let the record reflect, by the way. I was not going to bring up the Kentucky stuff with St. Peter's. You brought it up. I, 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 thought, own it, you, I thought you had a non-figurative sign-up that said, leave me alone about the Wildcats losing as a 2-15. and 15. <clears> I did not bring that up. You did see the Miami Hurricanes. They play the final game of the Sweet 16 Friday night uh, coming up in Chicago against Iowa State. Having seen that Miami team, quick thought with the guard play, veteran coach Larinaga, <clears throat> chance to be in the Elite Eight. Miami has never been in the Elite Eight, Price Atkinson. Quick thought, having seen them. Well, they're going to be in the Elite Eight after they play Iowa State because they're going to get through, if they, especially if they play anywhere as close to what they did. They only turned the ball up, what, seven times in 40 minutes here in Greenville? Seven times. And this is a team that basically almost plays five guards. Outside of the big Australian kid in the middle, I mean, it's a team that they basically play five out. There was a point in time in the USC game, the first round game in the second half, where USC had 11 turnovers and Miami had none, to your point of taking care of the ball. 
Yeah, I mean, and, and again, it's not like they're playing with just, you know, a standard two-guard backcourt. They're basically playing legitimately four guards out there with, with I, I guess you call them a big, I mean, a face mm-hmm. of four. But, um, yeah, I mean, Charlie Moore and Cameron Magruder was what their, uh, uh, I mean, their leading score all season. But it was the Isaiah Wong show here in town. Yes, it was. The second round. And if they're going to get beat, I mean, it's because they don't make enough threes. I think they only made five, five or six here in, in two games, which when you're kind of playing that kind of style, you think that you're going to be loading up, especially running four guards out there. You would think you'd be in the neighborhood of maybe after two games, like in the neighborhood of 10 to 15 threes. I mean, the fact that they only hit like five or six in those two games is incredible. Um, but boy, Isaiah Wong, Golly, that poster he had on Jabari Smith, that dunk uh-huh. that he had in the first. Woo! I mean, it brought everybody off their seats. But the way he scored in bunches, you know, coming out, I think he scored the first, what, not 10 points against Southern Cal. And then in the second half, he started the second half off. I mean, it was the Isaiah Wong show. And then I mean, when you have three, I believe they have three starters. I mean, they're clearly an old team, but I think three of their starters are like 24 years old, yep. he included. That's incredible experience you can run out there. Yeah, and Moore has been passed around, as I like to say, like the offing plate at church. But he is he has found a home in Miami, and we'll see if they can get through. It's the fourth time ever that an 11 seed plays a 10 seed for a shot in the Elite Eight. And Iowa State's a great story, and I know we got to go in a yeah. second. They won two games last year, two, two games, and they're now yeah. in the Sweet 16. But we'll see what they have. Pick dead last, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think pick dead last in the Big 12 this season. That's right. TJ Ottenberger's done a fantastic job. Well, the game, as I keep saying, with a name like TJ, you would have expected this uh, (laughs) from him. We got to go in a second. Plug away. We find you on social media at Price Atkinson, but anything that has to do with curling. I know you love Service Academy football. You even have a little podcasting going with the Eco Right Speaks podcast, the conservative movement on climate change. You got it all, Price Atkinson. Plug away real quick. It's all because of you, friend. You enabled me to do all these many multitude of interest and things and the platform to do it. I just appreciate uh, getting to talk a little college hoop with you, something that you and I both love and is near and dear to our hearts. March Madness, let's go. Let's go, baby. Let's get it going back again on Thursday and Friday. Find him at Price Atkinson. Just don't come at him about Kentucky not being around. Uh, That's okay. He did see Duke. He did see Miami. We'll see what they can do. Price, I love it. Thank you for the time and the insight, brother. Cheers, baby. Always appreciate the time. Coming up in a moment, Mark Ennis from ESPN Louisville talking about the hire of Kenny Payne for that program, talking about the pain, P-A-I-N, figuratively that Kentucky fan is in after the loss to St. Peter's. What kind of chance does St. Peter's actually have with Purdue on Friday night? All of that still to come. Reminder, whether you're trying to go to these games in San Antonio, San Francisco, Philadelphia, or Chicago, remember our sponsor, that's Ticket Smarter, the Ticket Smarter mobile app, TicketSmarter.com, and you've got a chance with a discount to save $10 every time you order on the secondary market with Ticket Smarter. Again, throughout the Sweet 16, throughout the Elite Eight, throughout the Final Four coming up in New Orleans, make sure that you're on the mobile app, you're checking out the prices, your your tickets are 100% guaranteed, your purchase is guaranteed, and use the promo code COAST22 for college basketball coast to coast, COAST22. Take 10 bucks off with our offer. It's Ticket Smarter, the Ticket Smarter mobile app for all of the games throughout March of the NCAA tournament. Think smarter, ticket smarter, and our promo code COAST22 gets you $10 off every time you use it with Ticket Smarter.
Indeed, he's one of my faves. Despite working in a market that is the arch enemy of my Memphis Tigers, I still love my Tampa brother from another mother, Mark Ennis. Uh, who is a big Buccaneer guy, but we're not here to talk Buccaneers. We're here to talk Sweet 16. We're here to talk the hoops, the Elite Eight, the Final Four upcoming. Mark Ennis, radio star of ESPN Louisville, back aboard with me as we hang here on college basketball coast to coast. How you feeling, my friend? I'm feeling great uh, for the first time about Louisville basketball and college basketball uh, in a long time. It's, it's, been, it's been an enjoyable series of days of just some good old good feelings. Okay, so before we get into the specific games, again, it's a basketball crazy city and the whole mess with Chris Mack, uh, his departure and then the team falls apart after that culminates with a former player in Kenny Payne, a successful former player who's now been a longtime assistant in the NBA, comes home, if you will, pick it up from there, pick up on what you were just saying about the homecoming. Well, it's it's the latest in this college basketball trend of schools, big name schools, Blue Bloods, reaching out and, and getting a former graduate, a former player with an emotional connection. You think about it now, North Carolina, Duke, Indiana, Memphis, uh, and that Louisville doing it, Michigan doing it. There's been an all over the place. Now, this has sort of been the trend, and it reconnects Louisville, I think, with a really beloved portion of its history that, that Louisville had not really tapped into very much. Those 80s teams are peak coolness for Louisville basketball. You remember this. And I think for Louisville to be able to tap back into it with somebody uh, who carries a lot of kind of personal gravitas there, uh, it was a, a very good, feel-good moment for a lot of people. And there's a lot of optimism there. I still have not forgiven Kenny Payne for repeatedly burying jump shots and burying my Elliott Perry Memphis State Tigers back in the late 1980s prior to Penny Hardaway being there in the early uh, 1990s. Although Memphis State still does have the Metro Conference Tournament win over Louisville in Freedom Hall to deny Louisville a chance to go back to the NCAA Tournament as the defending national champs. For some idiotic reason, the Metro Conference allowed Memphis State to play in the tournament and the Tigers went ahead and stole any bid. The conference got no bid that year. Not only did Louisville not get the automatic bid, they didn't even get in at large and no one got in from the Metro that year. But at least hey, we, we just, have that. We just did something similar here with Bellarmine, which is, you know, yes. a small capital school here in town, wins the ASUN tournament, can't go to the NCAA tournament. They sent the team to lost in the semifinals <laughs> to the tournament instead. Oh, no. Amazing. Crazy how history repeats with Jacksonville State being that team to play uh, against Auburn. All right, so Louisville on the uh, on the ups, at least in terms of optimism uh, with Kenny Payne and, and what it means around town there in a, in a basketball craze state. I know facetiously you are heartbroken, as is your audience on ESPN Louisville, that John Calipari and Kentucky took the gas pipe immediately in this thing, not from a powerhouse, but from tiny St. Peter's University, what used to be St. Peter's College in uh, New Jersey. What has it been like on your airwaves? I mean, you're already sticking pins in the Calipari voodoo doll figuratively anyway on your station, but what has this been like this week in that market with Kentucky going down like they did to a 15 seed? Well, and it does play into Kenny Payne too, because Kenny Payne was on Cal's bench all the way until two years ago. And in the years since he's left, they lost the last time they played Louisville and they have stunk, either not made the tournament or they lost in the tournament. And there's been this running, there was this video that emerged with Eric Wood at Chris Maxwell saying, Kenny Payne won those games. And now everyone's like, yeah, he really did win those games uh, because they've been terrible, uh, at least in sort of these meaningful games without him. Uh, a radio buddy here in town texted me as soon as that game went final 
this is the best day of my life. <laughs> I, I'm presuming that he's not a married man, that he has oh, a, no, he's a, married man with a he's new a, baby. He's wait, he's a married man with a new baby, but the best day of his life is St. Peter's 15 seed beating two seed Kentucky. We got to rearrange the priorities in that state. You got to get on that. We got to rearrange the priorities in that state, brother. <laughs> That's basketball in this town. No, it's look, it was I, for real though. The the analysis Jonathan Gavoni, the draft express over the ESPN did after the game. Like Calgary plays fantastic basketball for like a, a late 90s NBA team. And he got schooled by a young coach. The Calipari was in the final four with UMass the year Shaheen Holloway was graduating high school. <laughs> That's crazy. And, and he put circles around uh, in that game. It, it, and I was thoroughly impressed. And I've been impressed with him. And Seton Hall doesn't hire him. They're crazy. Well, they will. We know they will. He's going to get paid a bunch. And what a job that he has done. Uh, ju just for grins, because they turned around and beat Murray State. And we're going to talk more about Murray State in a second, them losing their coach. They turned around and beat Murray State in the next round. So this matchup with Purdue is coming Friday night as we release here on College Basketball Coast to Coast. Do you give St. Peter's much of a puncher's chance after what you saw in the two games against the two Kentucky State teams? Uh, or, or is Purdue just too big, Mark Ennis, and going to rock on? Yeah, I, theoretically, I would, I would not. I'd be a fool to say they have no chance. I mean, it, given what they just did to Kentucky, I'd be a fool to say they can't beat Purdue. But Purdue's an even worse matchup, I think, for St. Peter's than, than Kentucky was. And they don't do some of the limiting things that Kentucky does. They'll have to shoot the lights out, which they didn't do those first two rounds. It was a lot more manufactured at the free throw line, great defense, getting out and running, all that. They won't have that luxury with Purdue. And you'd have to think, whatever slim chance there might have been that Purdue would take them lightly at all is over by the fact that they beat Kentucky, they beat Murray State. Like, this is the Sweet 16. They're not going to get overlooked uh, by this. And I think it would be more miraculous to pull this one off than even beating Kentucky. And an argument is made, and it happens this way every time. St. Peter's pulls the shocker on Kentucky. And let's be truthful, Murray State – and San Francisco were not preparing to play St. Peter's should they have won with an advanced scouting thing or whatever, as much as they will lie publicly and act like that, they weren't. And so suddenly if you're Murray state, you're trying to figure out uh, these players, their sets, their whatever on a day's notice before you play them a day and a half after they upset Kentucky. And your point is Purdue's now had four or five days to look at them and how to exploit this. I'm not saying that's everything, but isn't that big? Oh, it's, it's, it's huge. And also just the psychological factor of taking that team seriously. You, you know, you, you would think half-ass effort when you'd beat the 15 seed. And that might have been what you got from Kentucky who wasn't taking that opening round game seriously. But Purdue is just not going to take them lightly, given that they've seen what they've done in two tournament games already. It won't happen. Voice of Mark Ennis. Find him on Twitter, ESPN Louisville. He is the afternoon host on The Drive on ESPN's radio affiliate in Louisville. I always love Mark's insight on all things, including the NCAA tournament here. All right, how's the bracket feeling for you right now? I don't know. Do you enter multiple contests, and do you keep it the uh, the same monogamous bracket? I don't know if yeah, you switch teams one, around. What do you do? One bracket of integrity. One. Yeah. Yeah, the same way with the lottery. Like when the lottery gets over like 100 million or whatever, I do one ticket. I'm going to win. I'm going to win one ticket. <laughs> so I do one bracket. Never mind cutting the odds in half by buying that second ticket. Let's one just ticket. go ahead and do it with one. All right, so bracket of integrity has how many left 
Elite Eight, Final Four. Are you still cooking with a little Crisco I here, or what's the Final Four? I was one of the. I, I was one of many swept up in the SEC's uh, kind of collapse in the, the tournament, so I lost Tennessee. But the rest of my Final Four is in pretty good shape at this point. Do we have an explanation as to? How Tennessee, and you could do this with several other teams, but how did Tennessee look so good at the end of the year and so good in that tournament here in our homeland in Tampa Bay and then turn around and just falter against Michigan um, uh, back last weekend in Indianapolis, not far from where you are in Louisville? Do we have an explanation as of yet, days later, as to how that happened, Mark? Makes no sense to me. And it's, I have a working theory that the, the team that everyone says got screwed in terms of seeding Oh, and, and, and like listens to it, buys it, gripes about it. They always lose. Tennessee was that team. They were the ones that were like, why are they at three? They should have been maybe the last one. And that's it, it, all you hear about. We didn't get treated right. We didn't get treated right. And then they went out there and they quit. Uh, so no, I don't think that there's any sort of an explanation. Never, you know, sometimes tournament reputations are not fair. Or they're right until they're not right. But Rick Barnes does not have a great reputation in the CHR. No. At some point, you are what your record says you are. That's correct. And especially for the spread purposes, they did cover against Longwood. They won and covered. But here's another outright loss where they obviously didn't cover. And I believe the number is now 2, 12, and 1. Just remember this for next year. He is 2, 12, and 1 in his last now 15 games in the NCAA tournament against the number, whether he's favored or an underdog. Just keep that one in mind, too, and a lot of shortcomings and a lot of losses. So uh, we have Gonzaga as a one seed. We have Arizona as a one seed. We have Kansas as a one seed. We'll see how all of this plays out for the weekend in New Orleans. Uh, what, did, what did you? Who else you got alive? You lost Tennessee, but who else do you have alive for your Final Four? We'll have Gonzaga. I still have UCLA. That's me just being a little bit of a homer with uh, with Mick Cronin, who was a, you know, a guy that was here for a long time. So I'm in good shape. And I still have Kansas on that side too. So yeah, I'm doing Kansas. Will, will you know? Will it be a shocker like a Providence upset of Kansas? Could it be Iowa State or Miami? Iowa State. That again, we keep saying this on college basketball coast to coast. Won two games a year ago, and now they're in the Sweet 16. What a turnaround uh, for the Cyclones! We'll see what they can do. But I think it's, it's great. Fun. Yeah, great. To look at that region and either that Iowa State team or Jim Laranega in Miami. You know, there were some. I'm talking late into the summer rumblings that they might go ahead and just move on from him before the season even started. Now they're in the sweet 16. They, they're one game from playing for a final four and they looked dominant against Auburn. And yeah, Rick Barnes has got one final four and a, and a lot of flops and Bruce Pearl is kind of the same thing. Mm. He's got one final four run and a whole lot of losses just like this. When it's not ragged, when the other team doesn't lose their cool, Jim Leonard, like Jim Leonard did what people do to Bruce Pearl in turn. He's a great Great tournament coach. They got a short bench. They can shoot the ball. I wouldn't want to play them. Well, and they have a chance to be in the Elite Eight for the first time ever. We'll see if they can. I love this man's insight and analysis. Again, ESPN Louisville is where you find him. Uh, we're anxious for everything, Buccaneers, right? Brady back. We're putting the band back together. Chris Godwin gets a long-term deal. Fournette is back. You re-sign Carlton Davis. Buccaneers stocking up for an NFC South that suddenly is just like declining and disintegrating all around us, Mark. Uh, and it's in the offseason here for the B-U-C-C-A-N-E-E-R-S. Go Bucks. It's amazing over Tom Brady's career, whatever it is about him that makes the division rivals go to pot. <laughs> but the AFC East for forever was just terrible. Right. And now the AFC South quarterbacks actively don't want to go to, to New Orleans. 
<laughs> don't want to go to Carolina. And you're talking Marcus Mariota in Atlanta. Yeah. Oh, unbelievable. Sa- Sam Darnold still for the moment in Carolina and Jameis Winston off an ACL in New Orleans. Lots of luck. We'll see how that goes. Um, again, I love this man's insight. Thank you for hanging with me on College Basketball Coast to Coast. Mark Ennis, continue along on uh, on all this March Madness talk. Keep doing a great job. Thank you, sir. Anytime, anytime. Love that man's insight, and we're ready to go with four games coming on Thursday night, four games coming on Friday night when it's all said and done. I like my teams, obviously, that I still have alive for the final four, and that would be Gonzaga out of the West bracket. Uh, Again, we'll be talking more uh, in the preview mode of the Elite Eight. I still love Villanova coming out of that South bracket, that matchup with Michigan. We haven't talked a lot about it on this show, but coming up Saturday night in that first matchup in the South bracket in San Antonio, love Villanova in that matchup with their experience. Did Michigan cool off after having a few days with how well they played in Indianapolis? We'll see. Will Houston have something for Arizona? We're going to find out Thursday night. And is it the end for Coach K and Duke against Texas Tech? I do not like the matchup, as we were talking about with Price Atkinson against the Red Raiders, their defense, their length, etc. Then we got four more games on Friday night with the likes of UCLA, North Carolina, Kansas, the Blue Bloods, and then the upstart out of nowhere, St. Peter's Peacocks, plus an Iowa State team that, again, is a great turnaround story that won just two games a year ago. They're now in the Sweet 16, and Miami's never been in the Elite Eight, much less the Final Four playing for the whole thing. All of that is on Friday. We've got plenty of time to talk about Friday when we get around to Friday. Uh, Many thanks again to Price Atkinson uh, for doing a great job talking about Duke and Miami that he saw in Greenville, South Carolina. Find him at Price Atkinson on Twitter. Mark uh, Ennis, Mark Ennis as well from ESPN Louisville, The Drive, the afternoon radio show. We thank him for being with us. Find him at Mark Ennis on social media. We thank you for being with us as well. We'll come back, get ready for Friday, get ready for all of the action this weekend in the Elite Eight and much more. Keep it locked in. Whether you found us on TuneIn, streaming on College Basketball Coast to Coast, the channel, podcast form for College Basketball Coast to Coast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. I'm TJ Reeves. Enjoy the games. The madness resumes on College Basketball Coast to Coast.